0: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
1: A vine dresser prunes a vine so that the nutrients are not wasted but can be concentrated on, on fruit bearing. And so he, the vine dresser will cut away anything that is, is not necessary or extra so that all of the nutrients and the sap will go straight to the fruit so that the fruit will be greater. And that's what God does in our lives. Yeah, we're bearing fruit. We're doing the right thing. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And God will prune us. He'll, He'll prune things from our lives.
0: In today's scripture, Jesus describes himself as the true vine. Through this illustration, Jesus was communicating the value of being connected to him by faith. The branches, which represent his followers, are intertwined with the vine, Relying on the Vine for Life and Sustenance. In today's message, Pastor Dan will help you discover important applications from Jesus' teaching. The Bible teaches that you will bear fruit when you abide in Him. Are you abiding in Jesus daily? If not, what's keeping you? Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 15 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
1: at the first verse in John chapter 15. So beginning in verse 1, Jesus speaking, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would have loved its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law. They hated me without cause. But when the Helper comes who shall send to you from the Father the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father he will testify of me and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So remember this is the night of Jesus' arrest. The next day he will be uh, crucified for the sins of the world. And remember in chapter 14, Jesus was in an upper room in a house in Jerusalem. He shared the Passover meal with His disciples, what we call the Last Supper. He instituted the New Covenant at that meal, the New Covenant in His blood. And it was at the Last Supper with His disciples in that upper room that Jesus explained to His disciples that He would be leaving to return to heaven to prepare a place in his Father's house for us. That's what Jesus is doing right now in heaven. He's preparing a place for you and for me so that we can be with him forever in his Father's house. And Jesus promised that one day he will come again and receive us to himself and take us to our new home in heaven so that we can be with with him forever. And that is the glorious hope of every Christian. And so now we come to chapter 15, and it's still, again, it's the same night. Uh, And in chapter 15, Jesus tells us what we should do in the interim. As we're waiting for Jesus to come, as we're here just in his absence waiting for him, uh, as he's in heaven preparing a place, and we're waiting for him to come back for us, we're waiting for that day that we get to go to heaven to be with him, What should we be doing? Well, Jesus tells us in chapter 15 what we should be doing. Our responsibility now as we're waiting is to be fruitful. To be fruitful. He's in heaven preparing a place for us. While we're here waiting for him to come again, we're to be fruitful. The theme of chapter 15 is fruit bearing. Fruit bearing. Uh, The word fruit is used eight times in this chapter The words abide or abides are used ten times in this chapter. And that that tells you the message of chapter 15. Abiding in Christ and bearing fruit. Abiding in Christ and bearing fruit. Now, Chapter 14 ended with Jesus telling the disciples to arise so that they can go. So they left the upper room in Jerusalem. They leave that house. Uh, They went out into the night to make their way over to the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus will be arrested. It's Passover, so there's a full moon. So the city, it's nighttime, but there's the full moon illuminating the city. Because it's the Passover, the streets of Jerusalem would have been empty at night. Everybody's at home with their family sharing the Passover meal. There's very few people out at this time, and Jesus and His disciples are going through the city, making their way toward the Mount of Olives. And as they're making their way toward the Mount of Olives, Jesus began this teaching in chapter 15. Somewhere along the way, he stops and he he begins to say to the disciples, I am the, the true vine. And he goes into this whole teaching here. Now, he may have given this teaching at the temple. As they're passing by the temple, he may have given the teaching there. At the temple... Some of the gates entering, leading into the temple, actually had grape vines, gold grape vines, carved into the pillars of the entryways. Again, look at verse one. Jesus said, "I am the true vine." Now, back in chapter one, Jesus was called the true light that has come into the world. In chapter six, he was called the true bread from heaven. Here, he is the true vine. Jesus is contrasting himself with a vine that had not stayed true. And what vine is that? Israel. Israel. In the Old Testament, God repeatedly referred to Israel, or the Hebrew people, as a vine, or a vineyard. If you're taking notes, you can jot down Psalm 80, verses eight and nine, you can jot down Isaiah chapter five, verses one and two, and you can jot down Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 21. And I'll read those verses to you. You don't have to turn there, but you can just listen. Psalm 80, verse 8. You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations and planted it. You prepared room for it and caused it to take deep root, and it filled the land. Talking about the Hebrew people, the nation of Israel. He brought them out of Egypt and he planted them in the promised land, and he describes them as a vine that he planted in the promised land. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1. Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up, he cleared out its stones, and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And verse 7, it tells us the interpretation of this illustration, this parable. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plants. So it's the house of Israel and the house, the men of Judah. Finally, in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 21, Says, Yet I had planted you a noble vine, a seed of highest quality. How then have you turned before me into the degenerate plant of an alien vine? Again, he's speaking of Israel and, and Judah there. The, the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, the Hebrew people, they were God's vine, but they didn't stay true to God, they didn't stay connected. To God, and so they were not fruitful for God. Jesus now is saying, He's the true vine. He's the vine that stayed true. He's the vine that stayed true to God. He's the vine that stayed connected to the Father. Look at verse 1 again. I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. The vine dresser cares for the vine, He cares for the vineyard. You know, growing up, my dad always had a, a small garden. At our house. Once he retired, he went full throttle into gardening. I mean, he had this huge garden in his backyard. He lived in Florida. He was able to garden year round. Uh, but gardening's a lot of work. Taking care of the, the plants, it's a lot of work. It requires daily a- attention. Uh, the vine dresser here, he, he gives constant attention and care to the vine and the branches. And the reason he's giving that constant care and attention to the vine is so that the vine bears the maximum amount of fruit. That's the reason. That's the goal for the vine dresser. That vine dresser wants to get the biggest and best and most amount of fruit he can get out of that vine. And the picture here is how God works in our lives. He he gives constant attention and care to us. He's constantly working on us and in us so that we bear the maximum amount of fruit. That's the goal. That's why God does the stuff that He does in your life and my life. He's he's the vine dresser. He's working on us to try to bring forth fruit in our lives, the maximum amount of fruit. That's what it's all about for the vine dresser. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Now he goes on in verse 2 to say, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He cuts away. Uh, He removes the fruitless branch. Uh, Judas Iscariot would be an example of a branch that was not bearing fruit and was taken away. Now we'll look at the second half. The first half of verse 2 doesn't doesn't trouble me so much. second half does. And every branch that bears fruit, that's a good thing, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Notice, Notice the word every there. Every branch. That bears fruit. So it's bearing fruit. It's doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's doing the right thing. It's bearing fruit. But every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it bears even more fruit. So if you're bearing fruit for the Lord, you're doing the right thing. You're bearing fruit. That's good. But understand, if you're bearing fruit, you can expect the Lord to prune you. You can expect the Lord to prune things in your life. You can expect Him to, to, to remove things from your life. A vine dresser prunes a vine so that the nutrients are not wasted, but can be concentrated on, on fruit bearing. And so he, the vine dresser will cut away anything that is, is not necessary or extra so that all of the nutrients and the sap will go straight to the fruit so that the fruit will be greater And that's what God does in our lives. Yeah, yeah, we're bearing fruit. We're doing the right thing. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And God will prune us. He'll he'll prune things from our lives. And, And understand, listen, they may not be sinful things. They may not be bad things that He prunes. They may be things that are perfectly lawful for a Christian to do. He may prune things from your life that are good. He may prune things from your life that He doesn't prune from the life of the person sitting next to you. He allows that person to continue doing those things. But God as the vine dresser will prune things and remove things from our lives that that in many cases are good things, they're lawful things, they're not bad things, they're not sin, but He removes them so that we don't waste our energy or our time on those things so that we can be more fruitful and our energy and our time can focus on Fruit bearing. And that's what he does to every branch that is bearing fruit. He says in verse 3, you're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. God prunes us and God washes us. And how does he wash us? He washes us with his word. He washes us with the water of the word. That's why we should read the Bible every day and be in the word every day so that God can, can wash us. God can cleanse us through his word. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And this is the key here to fruitfulness. We bear fruit by abiding in Christ. We bear fruit by abiding in Christ. The word abiding here, uh, we also get the word abode, which means like your, your, your dwelling place, your home, Where you live. Uh, The the word abiding here, it has the idea of settling down in and remaining in and not moving from that place. Like your house, you're settled into your house. You've settled in, you're remaining there. You're, you're, You're not moving around. Fruitfulness comes from abiding in Jesus and remaining in Him and being, listen, being settled down in your relationship with Jesus. Where you're, you're just you, you plant it there, and you're not going anywhere. You're just settled in that relationship with Jesus. You're staying constantly connected to Him. It, it's not the kind of thing where you're hot and then you're cold, or you're on and then you're off, and you're always kind of moving around. And sometimes you're real into Jesus, and other times you kind of drift away. And no, it's it, it, for the person to bear fruit. The fruit bearing person, they are abiding in Jesus always. He's the vine, we're the branches, and the fruit comes from the vine through the branches. And so we have to stay constantly, continually connected to Him to bear fruit. Now verse 4 should be a big sigh of relief for all of us. You don't have to do seven things to bear fruit, or five things to bear fruit, or three things to bear fruit. You just got to do one thing. You can do one thing. You just got to do one thing, abide in Jesus. That's what you got to be all about. I'm just abiding in Jesus. That's the one thing you've got to do. And if you abide in Jesus, the fruit will take care of itself. You don't have to worry about the fruit. You just worry about and focus on abiding in Jesus and the fruit will be there. He produces the fruit in our lives as we abide in him. It's all about your relationship with Jesus. It's all about your relationship with Jesus and your connection to him. He goes on in verse 5 to say, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So if we abide in Jesus, we'll bear bear much fruit. But apart from Jesus, he says in verse 5, apart from Jesus, we can bear no fruit at all. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. That means we can do nothing of any real, lasting, eternal value apart from Jesus on our own. You think about it, a branch broken off from the vine can't bear fruit. It's got to be connected to the vine to bear fruit. And we have to be connected to Jesus to bear fruit. So if we're not connected to him, we're not going to bear fruit. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Now understand, though, you can do all kinds of good things. You can do all kinds of good works. You can have all kinds of religious activity. You can be very busy doing religious things in your life, but if they are not coming from your relationship with Jesus Christ, they count for nothing in eternity. It's all just works of your flesh. That's why Jesus said, apart from Him, or separated from Him, we can do Nothing. Now what does verse 5 say to us about us, right? Nothing. You can't do anything. You look at verse 5 and it kind of hurts your ego a little bit, maybe. Nothing? I I can't do anything? Nothing? There's nothing? There's got to be something I can do that counts. Nothing? Yeah, nothing. There's nothing we can do apart from Christ that counts for eternity, that really matters. We're good for nothing without Jesus. Not good for something, good for nothing. You know, Jesus here, You know whenever Jesus uses an illustration, like he does here with this, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and the vine dresser, and he's using this grapevine as an illustration. Whenever Jesus uses an illustration, it's not arbitrary. He's not just picking something randomly. It's very specific, and it has a lot of meaning behind it. There's a reason why he's comparing us to a grapevine and branches that bear fruit on a grapevine. A, a grapevine is really good for nothing except for bearing fruit. That's all you can do with a grapevine. You can't make a table out of grapewood. You can't build a deck out of grapewood. If you go to Hobby Lobby, you can find a wreath that's made out of grapevine that's all kind of twisted together in the shape of a wreath. That's about all you can do with a grapevine. You can make a wreath out of it. And that's it. Grapewood is really good for nothing other than bearing fruit. In the Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 15, the prophet Ezekiel says, The wood, listen to this, the wood of the grapevine is good for nothing except burning in a fire for fuel. He says, You can't even make a peg to hang something on it because the wood's so soft. You can't even make a little peg to hang your coat on out of grape wood because the wood's so soft it'll, it'll bend.
2: He asked me how I know and I say "Ring truer than the finest crystal.
0: Thanks for joining Pastor Dan Sexton today to study the book of 1 John on Ring of Truth. This New Testament letter encourages its readers to grow in faith to set aside personal agendas, and unite in a pursuit of God's plans. The author wants those who follow Christ to experience Him fully, as well as experience the beautiful gift of a church community. Having a body of believers around you to support and encourage you in your personal walk with Christ is important. You'll also find that a body of believers is somewhere you can be Jesus' hands and feet to others. Are you part of a church? If not, we want to encourage you to find one soon. If you're in the Baltimore, Washington area, you're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just a few minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. You can find out more at our website, calvaryec.com. You can also give us a call for more information. Our phone number is 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're honored to be able to share God's word with you through each edition of Ring of Truth. If you'd like to listen to additional teachings from this series, you'll find them at Calvaryec.com. That's all for now. Join us next time for more on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and the
2: recognize